your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 282 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. Today's episode brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Well, we're still in a seven-day break between Ottawa Senators games, but Pierre Dorian remains active on the trade market after Christian Willannon cleared waivers last week. It was clear that there is interest, but they needed to take a contract back. So, Mike Amadio, your newest Ottawa Senator, Christian Willannon, out to Hollywood to play for the LA Kings. We have a full breakdown of that. We also have part two of our interview with Leah Hextall, the woman who called both Nodak Sens games over the weekend. And then we get to your listener questions. Exciting show. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, March 30th, and it's a long drive from Ottawa to Los Angeles. But as long as you go to rockauto.com, you'll be ready, and Christian Willannon can say the same. The Ottawa Senators trading the 26-year-old prospect, will still say, to the Kings in exchange for Micah Matteo. Your initial reaction when that came across the wire? Well, my initial reaction was... Thank goodness we have something to talk about, at least. Like, this sends uh, postponement of games has been tough on us. We uh, we were in the full season swing, and now we get a little drought here. Well, not only that, but the fact, if you're going to cancel games due to COVID, we understand it's just the way this year's going to work. However, the Montreal Canadiens will be playing just against a different team. The way they shook up the schedule seems like Ottawa drew the short end of the stick here. Yeah, well, I think as much as it pains me to say they're trying to get the playoff potential team games in, and uh, I think that ship has sailed for the Ottawa Senators, so they're not too worried about uh, them getting points or points being decided in those games because there's time to do those games later, and it is unfortunate. But, hey, look on the bright side. We're going to get a little bit more action in May, so I'll take that. Yeah, all right. Well, April showers bring May flowers. You're saying it's just a little premature here in March with the full week off. But you're right, Dorian making, I don't know exactly what the number is, but it's his league-leading trade since he's become general manager. He's very active, isn't afraid to make a move. But this one, everyone had free grabs for Christian Willannon. So it's as simple as needing to get a contract off the books if you're Rob Blake and the Kings. But coming back in the trade, Mike Amadio, he's familiar with Nick Paul playing three full seasons in junior with him. How familiar are you with the 24-year-old Ford who's now, I mean, he's an established NHLer. He's played two games since he was himself sent down, but he played a full season last year and that was the best of his career. However, if you look at LA Kings fans online, don't seem too upset to be losing him. Yeah, I'd be lying if I said I was a a Mario aficionado. Uh, I don't know too much about the guy, but yeah, our good friend, the Leams Martian, kind of 
got to chats with uh, people on Twitter about the trade and Kingsmans were very happy to send him our way. And that's never what you like to see, but Hey, let's not, uh, let's not count the guy out too soon. Right? Like you said, he had a couple really good years in North Bay and Brampton along with Nick Paul and his initial AHL career was great. Like in 2016, 2017, 41 points in the, with the Ontario reign in 68 games. That's solid. So there's some untapped potential here. And that's what makes this trade kind of make sense is I think a lot of people can see there's untapped potential with Christian Willannon, but it wasn't working out here. He was getting squeezed out. I think as soon as you're out of DJ Smith's favor, it's going to be very hard to get back in there. So it just didn't work out. And like you said before, this was a matter of a team needed to change a, a prospect here. There was contracts that needed to be traded here for this to go down. That's why Willannon wasn't picked up on waivers. I kind of like the fact, and maybe Sens fans will take solace in this. I know we'll land in a really well-liked man, and I, we're wishing him the best in, in L.A. The, the swagger numbers, going to Hollywood, he, his personality fits in out there, no doubt. But when you're looking at a trade for what people are still calling a prospect, and I smirked when I said that in the intro because he's 26 years old, right? Yes, in terms of sample size since he left North Dakota, there hasn't been a lot, and that's not all his fault. Torn labrum, that's tough to come back from in itself. And then when he does, COVID shuts down. It was a string of unfortunate events, yes. But they added a player in Mike Amadio who's two years younger. And not only that, I don't know yet whether he's going to be assigned to Ottawa or Belleville. Artemen Isimov was also put on waivers since we last recorded. I believe it's his second time on waivers this year. I'm, I might be wrong, but no, you're, you're nodding. Uh, yes, so... I don't know if that's to make room for Amadio and the NHL team or because he was with the Ontario Reign, he could go right to Belleville and join them really helping out, right? This is a team who dressed nine forwards the other day. So where do you start Amadio and what do you think his expectations should be through the rest of this season? Get him in Belleville. I mean, there's no question for me, right? Like he's not going to move the needle in Ottawa hardly at all. They don't need him there. Belleville is in desperate need of forwards and it's funny to call him a veteran at 24, but he has a lot of AHL experience considering the AHL experience on Belleville. So really he's a, a minor league veteran. So that's great. Younger than Willannon, you get a couple extra years there. And I think it would have been nice to keep Willannon as a good back end guy for that decor. That's also struggling, but it, it, it had to move here. Like this was a situation that just wasn't working out. So I think the Sens did land in a, a solid kind of like the Schlappick thing, right? Like it might've benefited them to keep them in the system, but they said, you know what? It's not working out here. We're going to do you a solid and give you a better opportunity somewhere else. So I'm hoping Christian Willannon does great over with the Ontario reign. And I think he could carve out a little bit of a role for himself there with a team that is typically really good defensively up until their rebuilding year. So good for Willannon and hey, welcome to hopefully Belleville, Mike Amadio. First things first for Amadio, however, is a seven-day quarantine. So do not expect him in the Belleville or Ottawa lineup anytime soon. Belleville's next action is in Toronto on April 3rd, this Saturday, to kickstart an eight-game road trip. Whereas if he is assigned to Ottawa, we'll see if it's more of a in and out of the lineup guy or whether they're going to give him a chance at a fourth line role. That news should sprinkle out soon. The Senators practicing at 1030 this morning before, yes, a game tomorrow, if you can believe it, after such a long break. Not quite as long as the break that the Nodak sends entire oh, overtime, the season. It all leaned on 
on Saturday night. And we have Leah Hextall coming up later in this show to finish up a great conversation. So if you haven't heard part one, we had that in yesterday's show about her career as a play-by-play voice. She hadn't called hockey until two years ago, and now she's called the longest game in NCAA tournament history. The wait feels nearly as long waiting. Will the Nodak send sign? How many will sign? Pilsy, what is your intel and what is your gut telling you when we might hear the news? Yeah, I think the big question is how many Nodak sends will sign. I think it's pretty clear two of them are going to be signing and turning pro this year, but it's that third one we're still waiting and uh, wondering about. And that third guy is Jake Sanderson. And Look, you guys know, I really think there are so many more benefits for Jake Sanderson to stay at UMD one more year. We kind of hashed all that out in yesterday's episode. So if you want to listen to that, go ahead. And Leah Hextall, you heard it from her as well. She also thinks this is someone who's been covering college hockey for like 20 years. And she thinks he would benefit immensely from returning to UNT. So go back, listen to that. We'll post that clip today because it's a great one. And I think it's time for JBD and Pinto like last year could have been time for them, but they wanted to finish unfinished business and they wanted to go for that championship. Didn't work out this year. That's fine. It like, let's look at the silver linings. It's bittersweet because they're going to have a chance to play more NHL or AHL. I predict NHL for both of them, but it gives them a chance to play more games at a pro level. And we get to see more of them, which at this point in the season for the Sens, it's all about just excitement and entertainment and watching these young guys develop. You can follow us on Twitter at SendCentral on Instagram, LockedOn.Senators. We'll be all over those signings the moment they happen. And with Micah Maddio, you know, so if you fly into Canada from the States, you have to get a hotel for three days, I believe is the rule. But if you drive, you can quarantine at your house. I don't know if the rules are different for the NHL, but if he is driving, he's going to want to make sure everything's all good. So he's going to go to rockauto.com. Are you kidding me? Where else would you go? for a family business that serves auto parts to customers online. And they've been doing it for 20 years ahead of their time doing it online, especially when they sell things like brake parts and engine control modules. You don't want to be driving, risking that. Have it delivered right to your door. They have everything. I already mentioned engine control modules, brake parts. They also have tail lamps, motor oil. You can even get your new carpet there. So go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers, whether it's for your classic or daily drive, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered, as I said, directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog, unique, remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. Right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Just put locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That way they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them locked on sent you. All right, here she is. Part two of our interview with... Leah Hextall. Leah, I want to ask what you think is more surprising. The fact that North Dakota was able to score twice in the final two minutes to tie this one up, or that Minnesota Duluth was able to prevail after having to make a goalie change in the fourth overtime? Mm. 
So, and that was even something that, you know, it was interesting because Stacefall cramped up and Ryan Fanti comes in and they went with Stacefall over Fanti and Stacefall is a freshman. So they went with him over, but uh, you know, the resiliency of Minnesota Duluth to be up, then relinquish the lead, shake off the offside goal where they were cleared the bench. The Sully was on in maroon sweaters. They had won and were going back to the frozen four, but then the goal calls back and they have to reset. Um, you know, I actually think the edge goes to Minnesota Duluth. And I think what people have to understand about their mentality is this is a freshman class for Minnesota Duluth, which is now their senior class that has none known has never lost in the NCAA tournament. They have all they've done is won national championships because they won in 1819, 2020 it didn't go. And now they're going back. They have yet to lose a game. Like how special that is. There are only three programs or sorry, pardon me. There's only one program in history that has won three straight titles and that's Michigan from 51 to 53. So we'll see what they can do in the frozen four. But I think to me, the fact that Minnesota Duluth could pull it off after going through all of that adversity is a little bit more than North Dakota, but it's so hard in that way, guys, like absolutely elated for Minnesota Duluth and the dogs but just gutted for North Dakota, you know, just you, that is the beauty of sport. It's why we love it. But to see those young men and to see Adam Scheel and, you know, that goal, I don't think he would have, I think he would have stopped that nine out of 10 times. And that's where the fatigue comes in. It was a quick wrister from a bit of distance and it just went through his fiber. And I think he would have squeezed that if he would have been fresh. And I don't think that goal goes in, but that's what happens when you've played, you know, two games of hockey and you're starting into the fifth overtime. Man, and it was great to see the sportsmanship of Ryan Fanti uh, yeah. making some, making a moment to go over and uh, and console him, even if it's just for a second. But you mentioned you're so passionate about the game, Leah. It comes off instantly. And, I mean, you come from a hockey family, so it's no surprise. Your grandfather, I just read up, scored the cup-clinching goal in overtime in 1940. Brian, he's in the yes. Hockey Hall of Fame now, was the first of now three generations of Hextall NHLers. So it makes sense that you have a passion for the game, but where did you realize that? How young were you when you fell in love? You know, it's interesting because the thing that I think I'm most proud of is that I didn't grow up playing the game besides, you know, just going to the neighborhood rink and strapping on, you know, my figure skates because I figure skated and playing street hockey. I didn't play organized hockey when I was growing up, you know, I'm 41. So when I was growing up, there was no girls hockey leagues. There was no girls grassroots. And I played tons of sports and there was ringette and not a hit on ringette, but I, I just didn't really want to play it. And I said to my dad, I, I would like to try to play hockey. But my dad's point to my mom was that if we let her play, as soon as they start hitting, she's going to have to quit. And she's going to miss out on all these other things that she does that she could have success in like my ball and, you know, gymnastics and all these other things I was doing. So I never played. And I was really a casual fan. You know, my cousin Ron was playing while I was growing up and I watched him, but I wasn't really invested. And for some reason, it wasn't until probably I was about 19 years of age where I started to pay attention to the sport. I went to school for broadcasting and then it really hit. And once I started, you know, my first job was in Brown, Manitoba covering the Wheat Kings. I didn't even know, really understand like offside. Like that's how casual a fan I was. And I didn't know how to write, uh, read a stat sheet. So the thing that I'm most proud of now is that I've called the game at the NHL level and I've really had to learn the game from the outside in. It's not, you know, when you play a sport, you understand it so much more. And I didn't have that, but now just through working with so many incredible analysts watching so much hockey <laughs> over the last 20 years and, and getting to see it at just the best level. I really feel that, you know, I've learned the game, but I still, sometimes when I'm standing up there, I think, do I know enough about the game to call it? But 
I think after five overtimes, what really proved to myself yesterday was, um, you know, on Saturday night was that, yeah, I, I do know the game. And I even know it at the college level, which is different than the NHL because they have different rules down there. There's a lot of different rules in college hockey. It's so unique. So, um, you know, I, I just love the game. And I, I hear that from people all the time that that comes through my call that I don't call like, you know, everyone else. I know that I use different phrases, but I literally am just watching the game and talking. And that's what I do. And uh, some people like it. Some people don't. But I can tell you, it has um, it is like nothing I've done in my career. I love calling play by play and I hope I get some more opportunities. Yeah, that's awesome. We hope you get some more opportunities as well. You did a great job uh, last night's game. And yeah, like Ross said at the start, anytime you can add a game of <laughs> this length to your resume, that's uh, that's one for the history books, that's for sure. Now, did you said you went to broadcasting school. Did you try other avenues of uh, media and hockey or was it play-by-play from the start and that's always been your thing? Or do you want to try other other stuff? Yeah, so I only got into play-by-play about two years ago. And for the majority of my career, I started when I was 23. And I've always been a host and reporter. Um, And, you know, and I I worked in Brandon, then Winnipeg, Manitoba at CTV for quite a few years, covered the AHL there with the Manitoba Moose because the Jets weren't there at the time, Uh, covered the return of the Jets, which was still one of my, you know, really just tug at the heartstrings to come back when they came back to Manitoba and was at the press conference the day that it was announced. And it was just an amazing feeling. Um, covered them for one season, then went down to Boston to work for Nesson. And, you know, what an incredible market that is and covered, you know, World Series team in the Red Sox and the Bruins went to the Stanley Cup final and you're covering the Patriots. And it's just an incredible time uh, when you're in Boston and then uh, got the job with Sportsnet when they got the rights here in Canada and worked for them for two years. And then unfortunately, they did some layoffs at Hockey Night and I was one of them. Uh, You know, the programming I was a part of cut, but I was a host and ringside reporter for them at Hockey Night. And um, I couldn't honestly get a job guys. I, I was up for a job in Vegas cause they were coming into the league. I auditioned at some other places and I just couldn't get a job. So I went and pivoted and went to a completely different career. Um, but then I thought to myself, if I never broadcast again, what's like the one thing that I'd regret. And the one thing was covering an Olympics. The thing is the Olympics are hard to get to. They're really hard to get to because everybody wants to be a part of them. And I thought, you know, where could I stand out? And that's where play-by-play popped into my mind. I had always wanted to try it, but it's so difficult. And uh, I can say that now from experience, it's even more difficult than I thought it was going to be. But that's where it started. And I started covering um, CWHL and calling them for Sportsnet. And then I did the NCAA for ESPN back in 2019 and made a little history there being the first woman to do it. And then my NHL game, um, you know, with Cassie and Christine Simpson and a full female crew last March, um, you know, and that was huge. I never thought, I, ca- I can't believe I've called an NHL game. Um, but this tournament that I just did and the game that I just did, I don't think the history of it has really set in for me yet. Um, I'm still just thinking about the mistake I made at the end of the game. So that's who I am. I'm too much of a perfectionist and I, I can't wait till I can enjoy this a little bit. But um, I think I proved some something to a few people, including myself more than anybody yesterday that I can hang in there and that I am a play by play. And um, this is something now that even though I love hosting and reporting, I, I want to continue on with this. This is where my future lies, in my opinion. And I think it's important for just the female perspective to us to push for progress and occupy some space that we haven't occupied before. I don't want to get a job because I'm female. But I think now that I've proven that I do have the ability to do it, but it is nice to have some more female voices and not traditional spaces. 
Yeah, we agree with that. And don't be hard on yourself. That's not a mistake. They played eight periods, eight over. Well, you know, it just, it's, you know, there's no excuses, right? That's the big moment. And, uh, you know, it was so funny because Gord Miller, uh, love him to death. He's been so good to me in my career. And uh, he sent me a note because him and Steve Levy are the only other two, I believe, who've ever called five overtimes in play-by-play. So I joined a very exclusive club last night, which I was not aware of. And, um, so he sent me a note and he said, how was it? And I, and I immediately said to him and Gord's known me for a really long time. And I said, well, I made a mistake. And he's like, I knew you were going to say that. And, uh, he said, you got the goal call, right. And that's all that matters. Let everything else go. So since he said that to me, I'm going to take that advice and I'm going to try to let that go. Uh, even though all the video I keep hearing, I hear it over and over again. And I'm just like, ah, Leah eight overtimes like what were you doing so anyways and that's a great lesson to learn though when I was mentally fatigued I mean the the players are mentally and physically fatigued obviously way more than me but I was mentally fatigued so the lesson I took away from that is don't talk more than you have to just I should have just said you know Minnesota Duluth is moving on and I should have just left it and let it breathe so there's my lesson as a broadcaster new to the role of play-by-play I will never forget that for the rest of my career yeah, well, I don't think anyone's going to harp on you too much. Let, let the <laughs> well, goal you haven't call, seen Twitter then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wouldn't worry about that too much. Um, so, well, now we got to ask, what's next? Like, uh, now that you're, you've just uh, come off the longest game, I mean, I hope you got enough sleep. That's uh, definitely what's next. Uh, hopefully you're getting your Jake Sanderson 8 p.m. bedtime tonight. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. But uh, what are you hoping to do after this? You know, I don't really know, guys. Um, That is, unfortunately, because of COVID this year, real estate, when it comes to games, is very limited, and the junior leagues aren't playing, as you guys are aware, or just have started to play. So there's been limited opportunities than that there would normally be. But, you know, like I said, I, you know, I I would say that ESPN is now the rights holder for hockey down in the United States starting next season. I've had wonderful experiences with them doing the World Cup of Hockey and now two NCAA championships. And they're just incredible. Um, you know, I know people kind of dig to ESPN in the States saying, Oh, they don't, they don't talk about hockey. And, but you know what, they have so many people there who just are in love with the game. And I think they're going to do an incredible job um, as the new rights holder starting next season. And it's just good for the game because, you know, ESPN is the worldwide leader for a reason. And now they're going to be talking hockey every single day. It's going to be in the conversation. So it's going to help grow the game, hopefully down in the U S but, you know, hey, listen, if, if they came calling for more than just the NCAA, I, I wouldn't turn my nose at it. That's for sure. Um, you know, they're going to have to fill some games down there. But, you know, I have a wonderful relationship with Sportsnet. But truly, honestly, I'm just here for opportunities because you guys know whether it's playing a sport, learning a musical instrument, um, anything you do in life. If you don't get consistent repetition, you can't get better. And I truly feel I'm only at about 50 percent of my potential right now. I think I have a long way to go. I just need some consistency in it. So I'm looking forward to what the future holds because, um, you know, I got to say, I think I got a little bit of swagger in me now. I mean, I'm, I'm not cocky by any means. I've, I've got so much to learn in this role to be, uh, to be good at it. Um, but I think I held my own and I showed some people last night what I can do. Well, no doubt. And guess what? There's two Olympics in quicker succession That's than true. ever been with the summer and then the winter right behind it. So we look forward to hearing you pop up. We know it's going to happen. It's just a matter of how soon. And it was a treat to listen to you this weekend. Call both Nodak Sens games as we're still calling. And we'll see if we're allowed to do that once a couple of them leave. But with four, we let it go. But Leah Hextall, thank you so much for joining us on Locked On Senators. Look forward. I'm sure we'll do this again down the road. Guys, thanks so much for having me. I really do appreciate it.
Stick taps to Leah for joining us. Really appreciate that. Make sure you go throw her a follow on social media at Leah Hextall. And we can't wait to hear where her name pops up next. A, a real treat to chat with. So yeah, thank you to Leah for that. And thank you to my friends at bed online because i have made up for all of my losing in the early rounds of march madness just by sticking with it at bed online responsibly of course but at betonline.ag it's the one place that has you covered the one place that we trust for all of our sports wagering go to betonline.ag right now and because you're a listener of the locked on senators podcast you are entitled to a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's as simple as that. If you put in $100, they'll give you 50. If you put in 200, they give you 100. That's because they know that they're partners with us at the Locked On Podcast Network. We help them, they help us. It is all gravy. And when the Sens get back, you know that for the 36th time this season, they're going to be the underdog. And that's where you make your bones. You can also get Pillsy's Parlay of the Day to help with your gambling needs. So I think I didn't mention, how do you get the bonus? When you make your first deposit, put in the promo code Locked On, and then, bang, it's in your account. Just like that. Pillsy, hit us with your Parlay of the Day. Well, Pillsy's Parlay of the Day did not hit last night. It went two for three, and the final game ended up, the Wild ended up losing in shootout. Eric Carlson with the slap shot shootout move, total coward move, if you ask me. But in his defense, Ryan Hartman did the slap shot move first and didn't score. He actually missed the net completely. So Carl's like, let me show you how it's done. And he goes in and scores for the winner. He also had two goals that game. So shout out uh, former centers, captain Eric Carlson. But on to Pilsy's parlay of the day. We're going to keep it simple, sweet, short. Boston Bruins money line over the New Jersey Devils at minus 185. Taking that for sure. And then let's hand it over to the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Columbus Blue Jackets are in tough lately. Line A is a goal scorer that isn't scoring goals. That's not good. So Tampa Bay, I'm taking their money line minus 247. That's the easy parlay, guys. Let's just let's just roll this into some green numbers to make up for some losses. Boston Bruins money line, Tampa Bay Lightning money line, put 10 bucks in to win 1164. I know it's not a lot, but every little bit counts in the parlay game. You can't make big wins all the time. Sometimes you just got to keep the chains moving. So that's what we're doing here. Pillsy's parlay of the day. And the beauty of that is you are in the action and don't sit on the sidelines. Be like Pillsy in the action, even if it's for pennies. And don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's bet online, your online sports book expert. And when I'm nervously watching my parlay games, hoping that they're going to hit, I need energy to keep me going, especially if it's a three-team or sometimes I get a little crazy with the four-team parlays. You need a boost to keep you going through that. And Built Bar, you know, is the protein bar that's going to help you have that boost. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And some of these protein bars, you know, they got one, maybe two, three good flavors. How about 16 amazing flavors from Built Bar? Yeah, you heard it, guys. 16, eight chocolate with nut flavors, eight chocolate nut-free flavors. So depending on your preference, there's lots of options there. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. None of this fake chocolate, none of this garbage. It's 100% real chocolate. You know they keep it real at Built Bar. It's soft and easy to chew. It's great for the health-conscious guy or girl. The bars are low-calorie low sugar, 
but high protein, high fiber. Usually you don't get that trade-off. Built Bar has it though. And what else do they have? Go to their website and check out the matchup for the Built Bar bracket. The flavorful four, that's a mouthful, is finally here. And this is a contentious matchup, Ross. We got cookie dough chunk up against cookies and cream. So the ultimate cookie battle. And I think I'm going cookies and cream. Like that is just a legendary flavor. So go to BuiltBar.com today. Make your vote in the championship Built Bar bracket. These are all good flavors, but that's my recommendation today. Cookies and cream. How are you going to get cookies and cream? Well, super simple. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15. And you'll get, guess what? 15% off your next order. That's how it works. BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. Since you're a valuable listener to the Locked On Centers podcast, a little gift from us, 15% off your next order, BuiltBar.com. All right, Pilsy. So before we get to listener questions, we have a conspiracy to get to. The Ottawa Senators posted on their social media this morning some sand art at Falling in Sand. Just seems like your typical sponsor, right? Oh, no. Well, if you go to their TikTok, which I don't have, but I'm being told in the comments here, you got to be teasing. It's Gab LaFrance, the listener of the show. He's saying they got to be teasing something. The caption. So it's this really cool sand art where as it's building, it's a Sens logo being created. But guess what the color is all around the Sens logo? It's green. I saw that. What's going on here? The caption. With skills like that, we might have to look into a contract. Are they teasing the Nodak Sens signing of later today? <laughs> I don't know. I thought you were talking Mike Green's coming out of retirement and he's going to be the defenseman that stabilizes the back end for the Sens here. Um, hopefully. Yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, let's the more news, the better, because this is uh, this is tough sledding for us. So if Pierre can keep it coming, he made the trade. So that's good. Now keep it coming with some signings. And we we talked about it. You said you think uh, he wasn't going to hand out contracts right after that loss. That's what Pierre Dorian does. Remember Tim Stutzla lost seven, what was it, 17 to one yeah. against Team Canada? And Dorian says, hey, don't you worry about that. You're going to have a nice rookie contract here. You're heading to the NHL. So maybe maybe that's what he did with the UND players, but they're waiting to announce it. Okay, well, we're going to see. That's kind of what a week without Sens hockey does to us. We're looking into the colors of sand. But you mentioned the defenseman. And Jean-Claude Transam, I believe it's Eric, however, asked, who should the Sens target for the blue line in this offseason? I'm going to give a trade target first and give you a second to pull up the UFA list. I think Matt Dumba would be the perfect guy to go out and get. Minnesota, they're doing well this year, and maybe that changes things, but he's a name who's been out there on the trade market in years past. I just think he is the perfect complimentary player. He's physical. He's big. He's mean. You know, qualities that Sens management loves. But he also has puck skills. He's represented Canada at multiple events, world championships, world juniors. And he he just provides a two-way game that Ottawa's missing on the back end. You might say, oh, he's a right shot. Where is there really room for him? Well, I mean, there's, there's easy room when you take out number 44 at the back end. I don't know if 22 is going anywhere with Zaitsev and of course, Zub, you hope to keep. There's always room, though, when you're talking to me about a guy who can play the game on the edge. He's big. He's mean. Dumba's making $6 million, although, get this, 
4.8 in salary this year. It goes up to 7.4 next year, then down to 5.2 in the final year. Has a 10-team no-trade clause that kicks in at the start of next season. But he's a guy who he brings so many elements to his game. What do you think the cost would be to go out and get a guy like that from the wild? I don't know. And uh, that's that's one hell of a move to be making. If if I'm the Senzo, I don't know if I make a big splash like that because you're still kind of waiting for your prospects to come up and develop. And I don't know if they're ready for a big push like that. The last time we saw the Sens were ready to make an all-in push, they went and acquired Matt Duchesne and, uh, well, the rest is history. So I, obviously getting Matt Dumba wouldn't be such a haul and it wouldn't be such a massive uh, deal. But if, if you're Minnesota, this is a team that's up and coming. you got Kaprizov. you got um, a good goaltender there. you got a lot of young talent coming up the system. I think they're probably going to want some uh, young defensemen because all their defensemen are aging guys like Suter, Dumba, Spurgeon. Like those are guys on big contracts that are only getting older. So they would probably want some sort of return in a defensive prospect, which luckily the Sens have a lot of. So you could see a, a switch of a future guy for a present guy. And that's a deal that the Senators could make with the Wild. This is an awful thing to say on probably the day or the day before he signs, but if they ask for something that revolves around JBD, is that a trade you make? I don't know. I don't, th- I don't think so because I think JBD is going to be great, but then you've got a couple other lottery tickets you can bank on if, uh, if you trade JBD and then you get a sure thing in Dumba on your back end. So he's 26, man. He's like the perfect age. He's not, well, he's a prospect's age if we're going by the <laughs> Christian Landon count, although he's already got hundreds of NHL, 439 NHL games under his belt. Yeah, yeah. So so he's past the prospect pool, that's for sure. I'm I'm trying to look at some free agents here. There is not a lot of good free agent defensemen coming out. I mean, there's guys you could look at, like an Adam Larson type, maybe would be a guy you would look at. I'm looking at more short-term stay-at-home defenseman uh opportunities here. Like nothing, nothing past a three-year deal for me, because I really do believe in the decor that the Sens have drafted, but it's gonna take time for them to be ready. Yeah, there's one crown jewel of this decor class, free agent-wise, and that's Dougie Hamilton. I think it's probably unrealistic to expect him to choose Ottawa. However, Dorian should should 100% make that call. Many GMs should, as he has just been a staple, a consistent staple in the, in the top end of the points category in the NHL. So Salim's writing in saying, would Brandon Montour be a good D partner for Shabbat? And if so, what would the cost be? I think I go Dumbo over Montour 10 days out of 10. So I think we already covered that. Uh, Jordan writing in at Clavin fan club. So, you know, he's on the K train as well. You love that saying, where does Abramov fit in on this team going forward? He mentions that on the right side, there's already Brown, Batherson, Dadanov, Watson, and Kachuk, Stutzla, Paul, and Formanton on the left side. He says, unless Paul or Stutzel move to center, I don't see how Abramov makes this team next year. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Abramov is basically Dadnov light or like a, a young Dadnov. And I don't see a place for both those guys on this team because a guy like Vitaly Abramov, you can't put him on the third and fourth line. He's, he's not going to excel. He's not going to be able to play his game without being with offensively minded players and getting that ice time. So I think unless you're able to give him at the very least a top nine position, then he's not the guy that you want to plug in your lineup. And I, I'm not ready to give up on Dadnov yet. So I think Abramov, he's still got time. He's a young prospect. I just hope 
that uh, what happened to Balsers and Schlappick and all these guys doesn't happen to Abramov because that's just lost money that you end up developing and investing in and you don't get a return from it and you don't get any sort of benefit. So that can't happen again is all I know. Amen to that. I think Paul is a perfect candidate to shift over to the center ice position, but then you're looking and you're trying to play, where does everybody fit in? But it's such a slow and steady process with the rebuild. I think after the trade deadline, and then we can go from there about what happens with Seattle and going forward. Because the Sens are going to lose a player. I think it's either going to be a goalie, be a goalie. Or, or a forward. I mean, yeah, you're definitely not losing a defenseman. I don't yeah. even know which three I'd protect, if, if we're being honest. Like, you could doesn't really matter to me. And you might even leave a guy like Zaitsev unprotected just because of that contract. No. So, I mean, beyond Shabbat, like, who do you care to protect? You got to protect Zaitsev. Like he's on it. I think that's a good deal. And I don't understand why everyone's going so crazy. Like, is he not a good partner for Shabbat? Like, I think we found Shabbat's D partner, at least for the time being, for the time being till the prospects come up. Like, I think the idea of trading or losing Zaitsev would be terrible. No, I disagree with you. I just think that like, he's okay. Like I'm not as much of a Zaitsev hater as as you'll find out on Twitter.com, but I just think that there's, there's a lot of things he can't do that uh, you might want another partner to do in terms of being confident with handling the puck himself and that sort of uh, aspect to his game. But no matter what happens with Zaitsev in the decor, I'm 100% agreeing you with wanting to see Vitaly Bramov get a real look in the NHL to see what they have with him before shipping them off a la Yarosh. Uh, Yarosh, I guess, got more of a sample size, but uh, with Shopik and more notably with Christian. Well, and with Abramov too, before we move on, it's going to be interesting. Abramov's career trajectory might depend on what the Sens do with Dezingle as well, right? Because if they bring back Dezingle, that's another guy who plays, I wouldn't say a a similar style game. They they have different aspects of their game that they rely on, but as an offensive-minded top nine guy. So that would be another roadblock in Abramov's progression here. For sure. Uh, UK Sens writes in, what are your thoughts on Brady's name actually being Brayden? I saw this. Is is this true or is that just a Wikipedia joke thing? I don't know. Somebody's going to have to get to the bottom of it. It doesn't really matter. I mean, he's Brady Kachuk. Like, I don't th- have you heard a single person in the world call him Braden? Maybe his mom when she's upset that he's beating up on Matthew. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so, uh, Casey writes in, what does Ottawa do at the deadline? Are there any vets worth moving for more than a bag of hammers? I mean, the bag of hammers can also be more positively referred to as roster space, which uh, the Sens have a few vets jammed up at the back end when you look at Coburn and Gabranson. I'm of the belief that Braden Coburn only got back in the lineup because another general manager said, hey, I'd like to see him play. And although he only played 12 minutes, didn't really make the best um, notice for himself. If you can just get a late round pick for those guys, get them. Why not? It clears some some room, but this is going to be the first deadline where it's not busy for Pierre Dorian, right? It was the Pajot trade last year. It was the Mark Stone trade before. It was the will he or won't they with Eric Carlson the year before that. So if you're a Sens fan, just sit back and enjoy because it's going to be probably pretty quiet from a trade standpoint. But then again, it's Pierre Dorian. So who knows? Yeah, exactly. I would never count Pierre out on trade deadline day, but you're only looking at a couple UFAs here. You got Artem Isimov, who I think could fetch you a late round pick. And that's a guy a contending team might want to have on their taxi squad to be available. So I think that's all right. Then Ryan Dezingle, that's the real interesting one because the Senators got a haul for him when they traded him the first time. Obviously that's not going to happen this time, but 
I wouldn't be shocked if you were able to get a third pick for him, right? Depending on where he goes to with the quarantine and stuff like that. And he would be great on a contending team. Then you got your defenseman, Branstrom, Coburn, uh, good Branstrom, sorry, and Coburn. Uh, <laughs> if you get anything for those guys, take it, anything at all. Uh, and then the other interesting factor here is Mike Riley. I'm of the mind that you keep Riley for at least one more season, maybe give him a two-year deal. He's a great seventh defenseman to have as a buffer for these young guys. And also he plays great with Artem Zub, who I'm I'm expecting to get an extension here to be re-signed. So he's a guy that's going to be interesting, but yeah, no major moves here. I mean, the biggest is going to be Dezingle and then Riley maybe could could warrant a decent return as well. But I think they're going to re-sign both those guys. So this could be a very slow trade deadline, but that's not the worst thing. Not at all. Final question here comes from Reese Sobalski asking, what are you feeling about the ceilings for Pinto and Norris, seeing as they are the two best future centers we have, ignoring the fact Stutzla might switch? So you know how I feel about Stutzla playing center. However, the more I see him at left wing, the more I'm like, okay, maybe there's a role here, but I also love the way he plays through the middle of the ice. Let's focus on Pinto and Norris. I was on the very minority side of the poll we put up before the season saying who has the higher ceiling that I was on the side of Pinto but Josh Norris has impressed me so much at the NHL level I'm gonna have to do a flip-flop I think that they both have high NHL ceilings but Josh Norris the way he stepped in and won face-offs going up against these elite centermen in the Canadian division he is on another level for me now Yeah, this is a really interesting question because I wouldn't be mad if you said either way, right? I think for me, though, I'm going to lean Pinto, Ross, because, yeah, Norris is getting better with the face-offs, but Pinto is the face-off guy. I mean, might I remind you, 18 and 0, though, I don't care what level you do that at. That's absolutely incredible. So I think it's going to translate to the NHL. It might take time, sure, Maybe his first year, he's under 50%. Maybe his second year even isn't that great. But his NHL career, I'm convinced he will be a very positive factor in the faceoff dot. And there's so much else to his game. Like we talk about the offense, the tipping pucks. How about that hit he laid uh, in one of the final games? He can play physical. He can play in clutch situations. Like I just think Shane Pinto is a great all-round centerman. And I think he's going to make a very good second-line center. Well, we're hopefully going to find out soon rather than later with Pinto, JBD, and maybe Jake Sanderson. As I mentioned earlier, follow us on Twitter at Send Central. Okay, we got one last one here. It's from a guest, a recent guest on this show. Sends DJ asks, why are you so awesome? And I love the reply from a few good sends, and it's true. It's you. It's the listeners allowing us to come in to your airwaves wherever, whether you're in the car or at home. It's a passionate fan base, and we are very honored, humbled to be able to bring you the number one daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. So subscribe wherever you get yours. Leave us a review. We always appreciate that. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.